Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the Keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. There are two kinds of stress or anxiety in life. Overt stress and covert stress. Overt stress is easy to recognize because it bogs us down and troubles our hearts. I also call it sour stress. Covert stress is sweet stress, but more insidious. It makes you feel good and proud, but sabotages you from the inside. For example, we all have seen many successful people in life. Destroyed by their own prosperity. In other words, prosperity is equally, if not more, harmful to our spirit than poverty. Maybe that's why the wise King Solomon asked God not to make him poor or prosperous, because poverty could make him break the law, and prosperity could make him forget God. He knew that the moment he forget God. Life becomes vanity. He wanted to avoid covert stress, so to speak. Covert stress is like sugar. You know, sugar tastes good and makes you happy, but it stresses your inner organs without feeling it, and would eventually cause type two diabetes or other serious diseases. I have type two diabetes. It's known as a silent killer because it doesn't show any symptoms for a long time, but by the time it shows symptoms, it's often too late. In the same way, covert stress is a silent killer of our spirit. The ancient sages call these sources of stress the eight winds of life. Which constantly blow at us from eight directions. The overt winds might be like storms of life, but the covert winds might be like pleasant breezes. Because it's constantly blowing at us, we must always maintain our spiritual fitness to stay in the fruitful state. The top four overt stresses are scorn, slander, setback. And suffering, for example, when someone scorns you, you feel belittled. When people slander you, you feel outraged or unjust. When you encounter a setback, you feel worried, and when you face suffering, you feel pain. Overall, the overstresses give you anxiety. The top four covert stresses are praise, prestige, profit, and pleasure. When people praise you, you feel elated. Prestige makes you feel successful. Profit makes you feel victorious. Pleasure makes you feel blissful. All these stresses makes you proud, but if you are not careful, it could lead to arrogance and destructions. As I said, they are silent killers. If you think you can handle these winds by yourself, you are still young. There's a story of Su Dong Po. I've told you about him a few weeks ago. A highly gifted person in history, 
He was like Benjamin Franklin of the 11th century China, a statesman, a scientist, a poet, an artist, and a military strategist. His childhood playmate, Fo Yin, became a Zen monk. As a bright and competitive young man, he wanted to beat the monk in meditation. One day he felt that he had achieved total stillness in his meditation. He immediately jotted down a poem to illustrate his spiritual achievement and sent it to his friend Fo Yin. The poem translates, I bow my head to the heaven within heaven. My halo illuminates the universe. The eight winds cannot move me, sitting still upon the purple golden lotus. Notice he says, the eight winds cannot move me. The last sentence also says, sitting still upon the purple golden lotus, which means he is comparing himself to Buddha. In other words, he thought he had achieved Buddhahood, which is the highest achievement a Zen practitioner could wish for. He ordered his family servant to cross the river to give this poem to the monk at the monastery to brag about his achievement. Upon reading it immediately, the monk wrote a remark on the paper and sent it back. The remark said, breaking wind, meaning passing gas. When Sudongpo received it back, he was furious. Dirty monk, how dare he ruin my beautiful poem with a dirty word. Immediately, he got on a boat and crossed the river to confront the monk. A little boy came out telling him that the master was not at the monastery. He thought, I knew it, the guilty monk had gone hiding. But the boy said, my master wants me to give you this note. The note said, eight winds cannot move you, but a breaking wind blows you across the river. It's not just humorous, but also a lesson on arrogance. His rage reveals that he failed the test of the wind of scorn. So his poem is about his arrogance, self-deception, hypocrisy, and spiritual pride. How do you overcome the winds of life that are blowing at us constantly from eight directions? In this week's scripture lesson, Jesus teaches us the secret to overcoming the overt and covert winds of life, mainly the overt winds that cause spiritual pride, which could destroy us from the inside. So today we will learn from Jesus the secret weapon against the danger of spiritual pride or spiritual arrogance. Let's begin. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I'm the keeper. No pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. The scripture lesson for today is from the gospel according to Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. Listen to the word of the Lord. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, 
one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 18, 9 to 14. Happy are those who delight in God's word. Thanks be to God. This parable is the second one of the two parables Jesus told during a dialogue with the Pharisees about the kingdom of God. We covered the first one last week. The dialogue began with Jesus saying, The kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor would they say, Look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 20 to 21. So these two parables must be interpreted in this context. Otherwise, we will miss the profound meaning intended by Jesus. Since the kingdom of God is within you, there are internal signs of the kingdom in your actions, words, emotions, and thoughts. The first parable is about a widow who persistently asks the unjust judge to give her justice. The odds are against the widow. She has no clouds nor resources, and the judge doesn't fear God nor respect people. With that story, Jesus teaches us how to overcome the overt winds or overt stresses. Luke says, Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Luke 18, 1. When we face the overt winds, we could lose heart or get discouraged. Jesus teaches us not to lose heart by praying always, meaning praying constantly. Paul also taught us to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. I've taught you how to pray continually by making every breath your prayer. So the secret weapon against the sour stress or COVID winds is persistence. It's like standing strong against the storm. Now, Jesus tells this second parable to teach us how to handle the COVID winds or sweet stresses. It says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Luke 18, 9. Jesus noticed some people became arrogant over their spiritual achievements. He surely wants us to strive for righteousness without falling into the trap of spiritual pride. To illustrate this, Jesus compares the prayers of two people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. He says, the Pharisees standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. 
verses 11 and 12. This Pharisee thinks righteousness is all about external practices, such as fasting, giving, and keeping the commandments. But he fails to love others by being contemptuous. Jesus is criticizing his hypocrisy, but not his practices. So don't mistakenly think that Jesus was against rituals and practices. For example, Jesus says on another occasion, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matter of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Matthew 23, 23. This verse reveals that Jesus wants to see righteousness both internally and externally. We should not practice one and ignore the other. Justice and mercy and faith represents love in action. He says they are weightier, meaning love is more substantial evidence of righteousness than the external practices. They cannot boast about their righteousness and regard others with contempt. It's an oxymoron and hypocrisy. Then how to avoid spiritual arrogance as we grow spiritually? Humility is the key. Jesus said, But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 13. The Hebrew word for sin means missing the mark. It's an archery term for missing the bull's eyes when you shoot an arrow. Many people today feel uncomfortable with the word sin, but if you realize it means missing the mark, it gives you a different perspective on sin. A tax collector in those days worked for the Roman government. So the Jews despised them because they worked for the foreign occupier. They were traitors, so to speak. Like a debt collector, their jobs could be quite stressful. The Roman government gave them a quota for each season. They would get punished if they didn't reach their quota. So they often worked hard to ensure that they exceeded the quota and kept the access for the future in case they failed to meet the quota in the following seasons. They were also well rewarded for meeting the goal. As a result, they were pretty wealthy. You can see that the life of a tax collector was not easy. It's like shooting a shifting bull's eye. Many tax collectors would not even come to the temple to worship or pray and stayed away from the religion since they were treated with contempt. And they might even despise themselves for the kind of job they had. This tax collector has the courage to come to the temple, maintaining his humility and ask God for mercy. He stands far off, meaning he doesn't take center stage like the Pharisee. He dare not even look up to heaven like the Pharisee. His words, actions, and emotions show profound humility. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Verse 14. Here, Jesus reveals that the secret weapon against spiritual pride is humility. 
He went home justified means he had the kingdom within. The kingdom is the place for absolute happiness. He may be stressful outside, but peaceful inside. So these two parables show us the two inner signs of the kingdom: persistence and humility. That means when the overt winds blow at us, we must keep our persistence. And when the covert wind lifts us, we must maintain humility. We also need to remember that humility is easier said than done. You might have heard that Benjamin Franklin wrote down his thirteen virtues to live by when he was twenty. It's worth reviewing it from time to time because it came out of a brilliant mind, one of the architects of a great nation. Here are Ben's thirteen virtues or his rules for life: one, temperance; eat not to dullness; drink not to elevation; two, silence. Speak not but what may benefit others or yourself. Avoid trifling conversation. Number three, order. Let all your things have their places. Let each part of your business have its time. Four, resolution. Resolve to perform what you ought. Perform without fail what you resolve. Five, frugality. Make no expense but to do good for others or yourself. That is wasting nothing. Six industry. Lose no time. Be always employed in something useful. Cut off all unnecessary actions. Seven sincerity. Use no hurtful deceit. Think innocently and justly. And if you speak, speak accordingly. Eight justice. Wrong no one by doing injuries or omitting the benefits that are your duty. Nine moderation, avoid extremes. Forbear resenting injuries so much as you think they deserve. Ten cleanliness, tolerate no uncleanliness in body, clothes, or habitation. Eleven tranquility, be not disturbed at trifles or at accidents common or unavoidable. Twelve chastity, rarely use venery but for health or offspring. Never to dullness, weakness, or the injury of your own or another's peace or reputation. Lastly, thirteen humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. He became one of the most remarkable men in human history with these virtues. The thirteenth virtue, the last one, was humility, and he said it was to imitate Jesus and Socrates. By about sixty-five. He began to write his famous autobiography, in which he re-evaluated himself according to the list and found that he had kept all the virtues except the last one, humility. You know that means two things. First, humility is not easy to maintain. Even a brilliant mind like Benjamin Franklin could not keep it. It's a warning for all of us not to take. Humility lightly. Human pride is a trap easy to fall into. Secondly, it also means that if he said he had achieved humility, he was no longer humble. By saying he had not successfully maintained humility, he actually attained it. It's like another paradox taught by Jesus: For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, 
but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Matthew 6, 25. Humility is also like a shifting bull's eye. The moment we hit it and feel proud of it, we lose it. It's like learning quantum physics. As long as you think humility is hard to maintain, you are humble. But don't get discouraged. It's worth it because it keeps us from spiritual pride and helps us maintain the fruitful state. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound freedom and happiness. Amen. Bye now.